We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast for Thursday. Uh, as you can tell, if you're watching us or even listening to us, I am not James Anderson. James is away this week on a well-deserved break, is on assignment. And uh, so finch hitting for James, as I've done a couple times. And I am really happy to be welcoming in Jeff Zimmerman, a name and face familiar to these airwaves. Uh, Jeff has done some work for Water Wire in the past, been a frequent podcast and radio guest for us, and has been busy doing some other things this offseason, which we'll talk about a bit. So uh, first of all, welcome, Jeff. Say hi. How's How are things? Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me. And um, <laughs> it's really good. It was every year until the book, our book gets published, Tanners and Minds, for the, the process. That's usually, I think, everyone that puts out some kind of ball publication, everyone with the baseball HQ forecaster. It's like once that's out, it's like a whole different time of the year. And right. so it was just like, once that's out, it's just something that's just not nagging at you. Like I have to do this and that. It's kind of like, all right, I can just focus on something else. And it's just out the door. Um, I know you're still working on all your player previews. So you still got that probably still kind of nagging at you for master's ball, but it's just one of those deals where it's like finally done and just move on. No, for sure. And how, how, I mean, you actually, I don't know that you've, you've done it for how many years now, the book? We've done it for about five. There's, we took off 2020. It was kind of a mess what was going on then. And we didn't know. Um, But um, yeah, it's just kind of been different each year. The first time was a lot of work. And then each year it's just kind of its own little um, adjustments afterwards. Yeah. So you, you, you had done it back in the day when, we knew when the winter meetings were going to be, and we knew when. <laughs> you know, so the pat. I mean, you mentioned you took twenty twenty off, but how was it? How nice has it been this year that it's whatever? It's, it's January twelfth, and we're pining to see where Elvis Andrus is going to sign, and not if there's going to be Major League Baseball. You know, it, it's kind of nice. The one thing that was not nice this year is I kind of had some other stuff planned. Was I had to look into the rules? Like okay. they changed so many. There was one of those deals like, oh, like nice to do this study and this study. And uh, Tanner and I talked and I just got stuck with the rules and he got to do some cool stuff at looking like which players, you know, were on winning teams and a little more in depth. And I was like, well, I kind of wanted to know where the rules stood. So I just kind of did some in-depth stuff on that. But otherwise, it's really nice. It is kind of funny, though. You're saying with 
Andrews, it seems like there's some people that have kind of a standard like top 12 or top 15 free agents. And right now those lists are so sad. Like in the past, they've been kind of good, but it's like, yeah, when Elvis Andrews is like the guy right now, it's just like, all right, you guys, you know, it's like, well, maybe you should have find another like kind of routine because I probably got another one of those coming out later with him gone. I don't know who's going to be like the guy. Yeah, no, it's for the community. You know, it's a, just a funny name to use as a as the as it doesn't have K in the name, which you know K is supposed to be funnier. But anyway, so well, you, you mentioned the rules, and we were gonna hit, we were gonna talk about the process and and that. But we can we can start with that. We can we can start with that. Move in. I mean, I don't want you to. I want people to buy the book or buy the online version. So I'm not asking to uh, repeat exactly what you found. You know, feel free to discuss what you feel uh, comfortable discussing. But I've done some work on the rules. I'm still doing some work on the rules because you mentioned profiles. One of the reasons I'm a little slow this year is there's just so much work that, as, as you mentioned, that needs to be done to fine tune what we're doing. We, we, we're talking about steals, right? We're talking about the shift. We're talking about the schedule. Uh, were those some of the things that you, that were assigned, that Tanner assigned to you to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, the stolen bases were a little bit hard like how that was because the miners did it. So that's kind of where I looked to yeah. the one, like I went down different um, wormholes for it. And one was like, Oh, here's the minor league stolen base numbers. And I was like, Oh, maybe I'll look to see where they compared in the past. And I ended up in like 1985 and I was like, well, this method's not, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> no one's going to buy this method. So I'll go to some other method. Um, but no, I was just like, we had the one season in the minors. We had how much they increased. So I kind of moved that to the majors. Um, so it, we think they're going to go up. Like I said, they went up in the minors under the same rules. Um, I think why a lot of people are going to have different opinions on being able to like throw over versus the base size. I actually kind of think like the clock timing down, like, so there's going to be some guys that are going to be like, Oh, I'm at one. Like, I'm going to get a jump or else he's going to have to kind of rush this over. Like they'll time it out. I've talked to some people in the game and they said, everyone kind of knows about it, but they said there'll probably be a half dozen guys that it really bugs. Like they know that they're going to be on the clock. We just don't know who they're going to be. Like there's some guys that are taking a long time that it just won't be an issue. Everyone kind of brings up Kenley Jansen. It may not bother him one bit, but there's going to be, we're going to see those guys that are going to get, you know, two or three violations of it during spring training. And we're all going to get kind of worried about it. Right. And um, so we just have no clue who they are. I mean, that's just one of those deals. Like we might have some idea. Um, just, I do know like some people gain some time, but just like even useless pick over pick off throws, like they just throw over to give themselves some time or they don't like what the calls were, you know, at home plate. So um, we're going to kind of come in with an unknown. I don't think the actual pickoffs, are going to be that big a deal to get it going. It's more going to be that clock going down. Um, for the other rules, the infield shift is definitely one. It was kind of interesting in that I started the offseason and I went to Savant and there was kind of like they had some settings for it, like shift and no shift or whatever. And then miraculously, like a month into the offseason, they had a third category show up. And I was just like, I wonder if the teams asked them or someone else asked them to have this kind of like – and it was like this adjusted, I can't remember what it's actually called, like adjusted shift or something, but it's basically what they're allowed to do now. And right. then you could kind of use that. And it was like, 
oh, where did this come from? And it made things like a little bit easier once once that popped up. I kind of had some a lot more work until it came and then it made things easier. It may even be that they got permission from the clubs to put that data there. Maybe they didn't, you know, maybe it was something that they didn't want posted. But going back to the steals for a moment, um, is it safe to say that there are kind of three groups? There's the initial group, let's call them the Zolas, that aren't going to run regardless. That are just, it doesn't matter how big the bases are. They're not running any more than they ran before. Then there's a group that they're just, they're, they're going to run anyway. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're, they're safe. They're going to, you know, they don't need the extra jump. They don't need the extra uh, four and a half inches. They're going to go anyway. But there's this bubble in the middle. And that's where the, you know, you may have a different size bubble than I have. You may have the extent of the bubble, you know, maybe different, but there's that middle group that we're all uh, deciding upon how, how to adjust. So apologize for the sirens. For those that listening, happen to be listening in a car. Uh, it's one of the, it's become kind of a, a joke, a, tra- a trademark of, of when I host these things. Cause um, we got rid of most of the noise, but can't get rid of the sirens. But anyway, is it safe to say that we're kind of all in that middle area trying to decide does 25 go to 30 uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I actually, I think the Zolos ones is right. I kind of looked into that and that was the same way in the minors, the guys yeah. that weren't stealing. And I was trying to figure out a little bit of who those might be. I looked at a little bit into the sprint scores of like, all right, these guys just never stole. It's, this is kind of what, how, what that speed is. There was some that increased like, and it was trying to kind of picking those guys out. But what I had found was it was kind of even, kind of across the board. It's kind of like everyone's okay. already figured out like with the stopwatch, like this pitcher's this fast, you know, if you can run this fast, you can make it. And now that's changed. Like everyone can make, it needs a little bit less time. So everyone gets just an extra half a second. I didn't even know a 0.3 seconds to try to make it the second base. And the coaches are all going to know that. So I don't know if you're really going to have like these huge rabbits that go off. Um, the one other thing that I think is going to take some people by surprise is probably some of the leaders this year and mm-hmm. will be down just because regression is stronger than, yeah. um, than what I think the increase is going to be. It's how it was in AAA. The leading Steelers, even with the increased rules, went down. So um, that's just one thing. It's like if you're seeing some guy, just remember regression still like a 35 – Stolen base guy is normally going to be dropped down to 25. And like then he's going to get a small boost from there. So I think that that's one thing that some people are going to be a little bit surprised with. Yeah, we can call those group the Jorge Mateos. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, the other thing, I mean, you kind of mentioned some reasons. I think the, the the with the shift and just maybe towards a little bit more small ball, I think team tendencies could be a little more important to try to find some of the runners that'll that'll take advantage. There are some managers that, you know, force their team to be their style, whether it's to run or not to run. I think maybe a little bit more more towards team tendencies. And we may not actually know it until the season begins. And this may be, have to be an, an, an in-season adjustment to see which managers are running more than others. I don't know if they'll be running less. But um, I think that we may have – that's something maybe – to pay attention to specifically, I suppose, you know, in trading leagues for sure, but DFS and daily leagues, I, um, I want to see what teams do early in the season, managerial tendencies. 
Yeah, I couldn't remember if I added it to the book. There's just so much I did on the stolen bases right, trying right, to. Right. Well, but it's so important. The first, well, the, the first month, the attempts were off the charts, but so was the success was kind of a little bit lower. Like people were mm -hmm. still trying to figure it out. I think that it's going to take um, two or three months to us to kind of figure it out. Like I think there's going to be some overreaction initially, but I would just kind of make sure that the success rate's the same. But in AAA, like everyone's like, I think they like, oh, everything's going to go, or maybe the pitchers weren't already, you know, working on their timing and so forth. So I think there's going to be some craziness going on across the board for a while. Um, but I think we'll settle out at some point. But um, I think we're going to yeah, have kind of a wild, wild west for a month or two. So not not to put you on the spot, and I know you're not a projectionist per se, but you you have an idea. You 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 know you you ballpark things and you look at stuff. Last year there were thirty players, thirty players, five players that stole thirty bases. Um, I think if we set the over under at five, we're going to say over. But I wonder, you know, I'm, I'm wonder. I think I only have like fifteen. I don't have I don't have a ton of players projected for more than thirty. People are you know. Think they're going to be. So I don't know that we're going to go that much higher, but you know, do we set the over under at at ten at fifteen for players that are going to hit thirty stolen bases next year? Uh, just give me one second. I will tell you what I would guess. <laughs> I will maybe, guess. Maybe he does do projections. I'll guess ten. Okay, you know what? I I'm in that range. I mean, I can look at look. I can look. I got two computers running. So well, you said thirty, right? You said thirty. Uh, well, for, yeah, thirty. Yeah, for, yeah. The, the, the target is thirty. Yeah. Well, we only. Um. The deal was is like it was thirty, and then there's um, Ronald Acuna at twenty nine, and Turner at twenty seven. That drops down to twenty five. Like it wasn't like individually stepped down. Like a bunch of them at twenty nine and twenty eight. Right. Still, like even to get to like the top fifteen, that's when you're at twenty two. Right. So, I mean, even if that one, if they, those guys doubled it, all the guys, okay, if all the guys that had 20 double, just saying that, that's going to be 24 people. It's, they're not going to, or have a 50% increase, 50% increase, not a doubling. So that would be like the same number, but I just don't, there's going to be some up and down um, because regression, but I was just looking at the overall numbers. Like we had, yeah, six of them with over 30 and over 25, we had 12. Maybe all those get in there. Maybe a dozen. So I would guess a dozen at most. Yeah, I just I just looked at my numbers and I was going to say, geez, I only have four of them. One of them's Adalberto Mondesi and Miles Straw, but then I realized he opened up last year's file oh. this year. So yeah, so that yeah, so uh, that that's not quite right. But um, all right. So I have I've only got eight, but I've got yeah. several guys at twenty eight and twenty nine. See, that's where I kind of see it too. Like the actual 30 number is seems to be a little bit high because of just where everyone kind of maxed out around, you know, 25 and 20. There's a lot more there. And over 25, there's just those eight guys, which is probably the same, you know, yeah, kind of that, around probably what we're looking at. In that neighborhood. Now, where do you think the top end will be? Uh, is there going to be a, is it going to be in the 40s this year? I think, I think, I think we have a good chance of someone in the 40s. I think. You probably will. I don't know how successful they'll be, but also there's a lot of guys that are stealing a bunch that if they start the full season running, mm -hmm. they'll be a lot better or there'll be a lot more of them. Like we're just not getting those top guys with a lot of plate appearances. Like Mateo only had like 533 and Birdie had 404. 
Um, if somehow Mondesi gets a full season, I think he could definitely push it. I think there's some guys that could push it, but the, but they're just not getting um, a bunch of plate appearances. Like Julio Rodriguez could probably push it if he gets a full season or they kind of give him the green light. Acuna, you know, was injured quite a bit too. So I think that that's kind of more of an issue with a lot of these top guys or Michael Harris. If he plays a full season, he only had about 450 plate appearances and with the new rules. So I think there's a chance. Um, Jake McCarthy, I mean, I think he could easily do it if he gets a full season. I actually have uh, Ruiz, Oakland, Asteria Ruiz, with a chance to do it if he gets Oh, yeah, if, if he plays enough. That's another yeah. one where it's like yeah. kind of in that birdie Mateo category. Yeah, no, it's just I, actually, I think I am overprojected because I'm half a season at 40. I think that's a little aggressive, Zola. Calm that one down, but um, but we 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 will do that. So we're talking a little off. You you mentioned the the shift, and I'm probably I'm, I'm about, I think I'm about to do what I really don't like people doing when I listen to podcasts and radio and ask a question that's longer than the answer. But here goes. Um, see if I can keep it short. All right. What I'm finding when I'm digging into shift data is, I I I, I just don't know what. To compare numbers, so you mentioned the before and after and adjusted numbers. Even so, we just don't know how much of is how much of it is noise, how much of it is actual defense. When you don't shift, how much of that was because the defense was so good they didn't feel they needed to. Uh, we don't know the pitcher's uh, intent whether it would be different. We don't know the batter's intent. So just to just to come up with a you know, a before and after, figure the difference out and what it would have been had, he, you know, percentage-wise of being shifted. And this is what the batting average would have been. I don't think it's that black and white. There's just so much gray that I'm just, I'm a little hesitant. And I, as, I do you have those thoughts as you're doing this or am I just overthinking things? No, I agree with you. I kind of on the one issue, which Mike Petriello is like beating it to death and I had already kind of brought it up was, like Corey Seager, we already expect him to re- like projections, assuming there's going to be full shift right. allowed. Yeah, he's he that we'd expect him to be better by like almost thirty points. I kind of ran some basic his batted ball data, and just normally those players have hit better. So that's kind of like one thing on some of the guys that's going to happen is just normal regression. Mm-hmm. They were the worst. There's some of the guys at the top, like oh, you know, the shifted bother them. Like no, there's some regression involved here too. Um, I haven't actually inserted the values I put in the book yet into any projections. Mm -hmm. And my deal is I always have to ask, like, has the person already done it? You know, that's type of thing. Um, so, um, that's where I'm, I'm trying to decide on that, but also there's some guys with like the shift, like Cedric Mullins was heavily shifted, but he's kind of a ground ball guy. So it might help him. But then there's people like Anthony Rizzo where he's like all fly ball. So how do you kind of deal with the different natures of kind of their batted ball profile? But he might also kind of get the line drive ones. Like, like he was kind of using those Um, a heads up. My, um, Daughter's getting home. I don't know if she's going to come in quietly or if we're going to come in really loud. So just kind of a heads up here. Not um, as long as it's a siren. Um, yeah. You kind of so, – all right, let you, I'll let you finish. Okay. But, no, that, that's just kind of where I stand with um, – that is – I know, like, this is the overall 
change that should probably happen, but it's kind of applying it to each player. But I think I'm going to end up, I may put it all in and go with it from there. Like this is one of those years where we'll, we'll see if I can make up some difference with some guys increasing their BABIP is what I'm looking at. Right. Um, you kind of hit on what I, my approach, and it's why it's taking a little longer. Um, Vince Gennaro, president of Sabre, talked about this with respect to batter versus pitcher data in that in, an individual batter versus an individual pitcher, there's so much noise. And I know DFS players are cringing, whatever. Uh, we'll save that argument for the summer. But what he's doing, and I, I mean, this is a while ago. This has to be out there. I just, I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't been published or at least more available is he would cluster type of pitchers together. So it's not one versus one. So what I'm actually doing is I'm clustering type of batters, you know, like you you mentioned Rizzo versus uh, uh, Mullins, you know, left-handed fly ball versus, you know, right-handed green. You know, I'm, I'm making up my own little pockets and seeing what happens over a number of players. And I know, things happen individually but if i find a large group of players that has a pretty big difference i may apply that globally to that group and oh, then, no, no, that makes sense it's a lot of work right and the, the question now is is the work worth the you know is it is it worth the effort I, it always is worth the effort i mean but you know relative to everything else that has to be done that's my personal decision you know if i adjust if i adjust a guy's batting average 5 points does that really make a difference in fantasy because that gives the wrong impression that you know if we're drafting and because i have a guy 5 points higher or lower with the shift i don't know that we want to change his draft position that much i mean because there's so many other things involved but you know the short answer is yeah it's worth it i i will be doing something but I wish it was the only thing I had to study because I would be able to do a much better job of it. That's kind of the issue. I think we wish, I wish we had had one of these changes coming in this year. Yeah. Not, yep. not, Hey, we're going to change all these and just good luck, everyone. <laughs> so. and, and yeah. And tell me what the ball is going to be like <laughs> and tell me which stadiums are going to have renovations. Thank you, Detroit. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, wh whether Toronto, uh, Toronto's having renovations, but I haven't, I don't think they're going to be to the actual field. I think they're the, to the stands. That's, you know, it's replacing seats. I don't think it's going to change the field. Um, so, yeah, it just there's just so many different variables going on. The last one, uh, the schedule. Did you do any any looking into what, what's going to happen with the schedule? I've talked to all you guys making projections, and all you guys have jumped up and down that the schedule, you don't have to take in – opponents into account like you don't have to make a change from like or as much from like if I, like if a player changes a team what's his schedule all change to so like Derek Carty's like third and um talk to Dan Saborski also it's like no it's just like one less step like kind of just the balanced schedule you kind of assume it across the board it's not a hundred percent balance but it's a lot more that way where you don't have like um teams just like not playing the AL East, like they're going to be sprinkled in and so forth. And it's not going to be just so demanding. So no, I, I'm just going to kind of hope that people making projections are doing the right, right thing and um, trust them on that. Yeah. I wrote about that for Roadwire, and it's one of those things where, you know, as a scientist, you never presuppose. Right. And when, when, when you get a, a, a result that isn't as satisfying as you would hope, it's a result. You're just looking in that. It's a, well, all this is leading up to by the numbers. It just doesn't, didn't change that much. 
I took 2022's numbers and I transposed them as if they played the 2023 schedule. And sure, there were some differences, but I mean, if you if you like Shane Bieber already, I don't know that you're going to change where he's being drafted, even though okay, the numbers should go up a bit. But there's other reasons that you like Shane Bieber, the new the new approach, etc. I don't think it over overshadows overtakes the reasons for drafting players. But yes, will it make a difference? Yeah, but I don't. Again, you talked about variance too. I mean, it it could get lost in the in the in the in the haze. So uh, I'm not making a huge. We'll see if that turns out to be a mistake. I'm not making a huge adjust. I made a small adjustment um, because I you know did the work. I made the adjustments. Excel, I can do it. Uh, Ariel Cohen has a a piece this week in Rotoballer about what we all did, and you know program into Excel. Might as well do it, right? So that's what I did. The one thing I would probably say it would change me on my draft is like the the centrals, both of them. They're starting pitchers. I may not roster knowing that they're going to have some weaker opponents. Like Miles Michaelis, I know he's not going to be facing the NO Central for half his games. I don't know. What, what was it last time? 76. It might be one of those deals. Half where is close enough. Right. But it's one of those deals where it's like, okay, if I just have him on my team, I know there's going to be good matchups coming up. Instead, I might actually have to look ahead like a month ahead or so forth to kind of see who – um, is that way? Usually, I look like two weeks, unless I just kind of know, like, all right. Even Brady Singer last year, I didn't really drop him. I just knew that mm-hmm. he was going to have some weaker opponents go up, show up during um, during his starts, and I just kind of rolled with that. Versus someone, I don't know, um, not Bieber. I was like Kluber, someone from like um, Tampa Bay that knew he was going to have to face the AL East yeah, all the time, right. and okay. may not be. So it was just one of those kind of tiebreakers, and right now those tiebreakers are kind of gone. Maybe someone could look into like one month schedules ahead of time or two months. Like usually I'm kind of just two weeks ahead because so much can change, but it's like, instead of knowing you might be able to do, take some advantage of not full season, but kind of partial season schedules and just kind of target a guy, get him for like three or four weeks and then move on. Right. Which is the way we have to play the game nowadays. And I mean, we're both asked questions on Twitter. Who do you like for the rest of the season? You know, I said, I don't want to be a jerk here, but the question is, who do you like for the next couple of weeks? And then in a couple of weeks, ask me another question with two different names. Yeah, it's, you know, no, it's, I play it from usually two weeks ahead. So much can change. So much can yeah. change unless there's just some, a plug and play type guy. Like I said, it was more that way with some of those guys when they knew you were going to face the central a bunch, but I think you're going to have to do a little bit more work now. Right. I think, yeah, no, I agree. And it's that, you know, I, you know, I don't think either of us are, afraid of more work i think we like it because that could give us a bit of an edge because we're willing to do it and you know if you're listening to a podcast in middle of june january i assume you're willing to do it too so you know so kudos to you um how many drafts have you done uh so far i have done two i'm waiting for one to start up i'm in the hasn't failed like and we've got the we've got the arizona fall league next week I'm actually not in that. I had to cut. Oh, down. okay. Well, you've been doing so well in it, and I I always enjoy watching your build because I know you do the work, and there's a reason for the build. And I try to figure. I try to reverse engineer it. It's like, what the hell is Zimmerman doing this year? You know, because it's it and it's always it's not like you're just you know trying to be different. You've been successful with it, so it's 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 been fun. Oh well, I'm gonna miss that. 
Yeah, it, it, I had I had too many leagues, so it was. Well, that's fine. I, and it's just like I had to kind of. I was like, I've got to cut this mini, and it it was right at the bottom. Um, so it was actually one of the last ones to cut off. It was like I did some less NFBC ones, and um, I'm even losing my home league. I've won it like seven years in a row. Actually, I'm not. I'm giving it to my son. He's going to run go. it. He's I like I've already given him like the payment for last year because I just rolled it over and I was like, yeah. if you mess this team up, you've got problems because it's like set for like two years. <laughs> well, keepers. Cool. So um, after that, like I don't know how, how he'll do, but we'll see how it goes this year. That's good. Well, you can be a coach from afar. And I um I haven't done that many myself. I, I again because of the work and trying to just get projections and profiles done. Uh, I, I I just feel guilty i don't want to be taking time to do a draft when i've got customers going you know where's my stuff so i usually have done a dc by this point which i have not done um, i have done a couple I, I think i think we both have at least ideas of the player pool that we can kind of share you know from our limited draft so far um, because i think there are this is one of the ways to to find an edge at this point is to find um you know peaks and valleys and positions that are stronger, weaker to plan, you know, our approach being flexible the whole time. But one, uh, you know, one of the places to start, it always is, is, is the catcher pool. I mean, we're not going to break it down position by position. We'll each share a couple of observations, but the catcher pool this year, I don't, you know, I'm, it's not a secret. It's stronger at the top and in the middle, the bottom is still a cesspool. But do you, are you finding it? You know, the, it's stronger at the top and even in the middle than normal. Yeah, I always, at some point, I haven't even done it now. When it comes to like redraft, is I'll dive into it really in detail because it seems like a lot of guys kind of sign in the backup still aren't really even set right now. Right. right. And um, I usually have like a line, like I want, and it's usually around twenty three. I don't know every year I still make the thing. I should just draw the line at twenty three. Like these guys. This is 30, something. Two, 30 team, two, 30 catchers, you're 15 team, two catchers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just to make sure and, people understand. Right. And even if like, if, if it's 24 or like the 12 team, two catcher format, if you're at like 24, mm-hmm. that's kind of like, I can just kind of blow it off. If I'm the last guy, usually someone will show up and that's, but I'll usually have it, especially in those deeper leagues, like any only league or um, 15 team. It's like, I don't want to be bottom feeding especially don't want to be bottom feeding with two guys. I don't mind having like a middle and then trying to pick up the new guy at the bottom. Cause you have to have some kind of weakness, but if you have two of them down there, it's so tough. Cause someone else's bottom feeding also like there's seven others. If 23 is the good line, right. Someone's probably gotten hurt or something else. You're trying to get two of the guys down there. Um, yeah. That, that's just kind of where I stand. But I think if you're in like anything under, even a 10, like 20 catchers, I kind of like it. Like, I would just wait to the end right now. I think that there, there's a good enough catcher pool right now that you can um, just um, hold off for a while. I do think being able to get, like, stolen or stolen bases from, like, Varsho or Real Muto at the top is nice. But um, I have no problems, like, waiting on it if, um, if the values just aren't coming to you at the top of the draft. Yeah, I, the the example I've been using is Christian Vasquez. I think he's now with Minnesota. He's probably you know about the same expectations as he's had over the past few years. 
But whereas he was like the 11th or 12th catcher off the board up until this year, he's probably 17th, 18th, 19th this year with the same numbers. So I think there it, it has, you know, if you end up with if weight and you get Vasquez, I'm used to that's just, you know, or, or that a, a player of that ilk, I think it's a wise thing to do. And the other advantage of waiting is the delta between the players that are left is just so small compared to what you drafted. You, you, you know, I know you, you see a Finch and you're competing with other players in the league, but there's a, po- a good possibility of upgrading. And you're not looking to upgrade the your 10th pick. You're looking to upgrade your 22nd or 23rd pick. So it doesn't take much. So if you wait, you can upgrade that pick with the with the pool because again, there's just, just not that much difference. You know, someone's going to emerge with more playing time, and that's the guy you know, just because of that. So um, I'm I'm more. I mean, I've never been shy about catchers early, but if I really like, and I've only I've only done two or three teams, and one of which I did draft a couple catchers early. If I really like where I'm going with my first few picks, I will not hesitate to. Uh, take advantage of the catching because because it's so strong people are I, I can wait i can wait which means there may be some some value for you i don't like that word but there may be some a higher potential return on investment if you wait a little bit so i'm not against going early no i it was kind of funny um tenor bell and i shared two teams we went to vegas and drafted in our main event we picked one catcher up in the 30th round um, we had someone lined up and someone went with three catchers, which totally threw us off. Cause we just like, kind of like had given like, okay, we knew we were going to get this guy. We had looked at the whole board. Like no one's going to pick, you know, any catchers they've got two. And then someone did was like, Oh wait, we had to go find someone now. Yeah, like yeah. it's a lot. And then we went to the auction just a little bit later and we picked up Varsha and real Muto. Cause we thought they were good deals. So it was kind right. of like, whatever comes to you. Um, that's what we took. So um, I, I think there's many ways with catchers. I just think, don't try to get those like guys that do nothing. Like if they're just like, try to at least get like their batting average doesn't hurt you. Right. And there are, there are a couple of those. There, you know, there are, yeah. I, you know, dating myself here, we used to call those the Greg Zons, um, that, you know, the, an empty, an empty two forty, which at this point is an empty two thirty. but actually Vaughn, I mean, Zahn, Zahn was higher than that, but, um, you yeah, we, we both said a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. I mean, we'll, we'll see how much he plays, but that's exactly the type of guy that, uh, that we're looking for. Um, now again, you know, we both would kind of mention a couple of times, you know, take what's given to you when you do your draft that you're waiting for it to fill. And I'm going to be doing the Arizona fall league. Is there any, do you have any thought heading into this year where, you know, given things could change what the board gives you, but any anything you're predisposed to saying, I have to do this, or I'm not going to do this heading into drafts this year. Again, it could change um, based upon what's happened. But in an ideal scenario, is there something you're hoping for? No, I'm the one thing I'm doing different this year is I'm going to assume Major League Baseball is going to use like the softest baseball they can find. <laughs> okay. So when I, I'm not going to assume guys are going to have like 2019, 2020 power and can get to 15 home runs. Anyone I'm going to go with, make sure I get my power hitters that have some legit power on my teams and kind of build my teams from there. Um, we kind of got baby. It wasn't soft, but it was, 
it was kind of nice there where you could get these kind of balanced guys that would give you a little bit more power and um, have some speed and some average and everything. Those, they just seem to kind of dry up. Like the home runs stay kind of stayed the same, but it's kind of like those power guys, just the differentiation um, didn't seem as well. And I was really behind on power in a lot of my leagues. So that's one change that going into this year, I'm going to have. Um, I'm probably going to have one reliable closer in almost every format. And then I might have to bottom feed after that. I'll kind of see where that second one comes in. Um, in TGFBI, I finished second overall and Barlow was my top pick. Like he was re- reliable, but I would still be able to kind of stream some guys and be able to do that. And some other leagues, I had two of the top guys and um, it worked fine. Also, it kind of just depends on how they go. I know a lot of people don't like to spend it, but we'll kind of see where they go at. If I kind of get that second one, if there's someone I like, like I was really big right at the end on him. Rogers, he kind of slid into yep. some saves with San Francisco yep. and everyone kind of wasn't on him. So he's kind of like a 12th rounder. And it's like, Oh no, this guy's like the closer, like he should be higher. So it was kind of nice grabbing him for a little bit, but we'll just kind of see who, who does what we'll see how fast Ling moves up. He might be a value for a while. Um, maybe the news coming out of, Chicago with the White Sox, who's actually going to close or if it's going to be a committee or whatever's going to happen there. That might right. be some value there. But I, I I just think like a what one because again, kind of like catcher, it's like, well, everyone's going to be looking for closers, trying to find twos a pain in the butt. Like not alone, right. you know, trying to trying to find one's hard, you know, with fighting everyone else and dealing with the fab. Trying to get two is almost impossible. No, correct. Now I'm uh I'll share my thoughts on this question in a in a bit, but first we're gonna Take a quick break for our sponsor to uh, tell you what's going on with them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. 
Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so before our quick break, I asked Jeff if there's anything he's hoping for or not hoping for in, in some of his drafts. Um, I've got, again, you know, we, we will let the board take care of itself, be it in an auction or a draft, but, um, I'm, I'm this is not, you know, this is not going to win us podcast of the year. Third base is, is weird. It dries up quickly. And I have found that I would like to get a third baseman before I get into that lower end of the pool. And what I usually do, and I want to do less of this. I think it's one of my faults one of my many faults with drafting i get married to some of the lower end players and then i kind of reverse engineer my draft i know i'm going to get one of these three second basemen so i'm not going to take a guy at the top because blah, blah, blah. and i think even 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 though i get one of those three second basemen my team is hurt for it because i probably should have taken albies or altuve or or, or someone else. And, 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 okay, even though I like these three guys, I want to be doing less of that, but third base is a, is a, is a spot where I'm definitely tie goes to the third baseman for sure. The other, oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Good. Yeah. I get, again, we're not, this isn't a secret, you know, you know, I, I think people are noticing it uh, for sure. The other, and it's very, it's yeah, a, it's a um, top heavy pool. I'll even set my KBS to get a third baseman. Yeah, I kind of look at right now. There's like eleven acceptable ones for me. Okay, yeah, that are like I think good. And even with like ADP, the last one being Muncie, there's like this like sixty point drop to the next one. I kind of wonder they're just not evenly distributed either. Like right, we're right. drafting two and there's four going in the first no five going in the first two rounds. I don't know how that back end of the turn is going to be with Devers, Machado, Riley. Like I could see that kind of, which one's actually going to be a first or second rounder, but you have five going in there, which might be the highest of any position. Maybe outfield beats them just by the sheer numbers. But so, but it's kind of top heavy and then it goes. And then there's just like this gap where it just falls off. Um, The one thing I'm kind of doing is with that, after that fall is if I don't get one of those top ones, like, what am I doing, you know, beyond that? Like, right. I may want to, but also if Matt Chapman's ends up going in the fourth round because everyone's pushing up third baseman, like, I, I don't – I'd rather have someone else than that. You know, it's kind of 
depending on how things are going. So I think you have to have a plan for later because only like eight people are going to get those top ones. And if someone right doubles up on it, which I, um, I mean, if you draft Whit Merrifield and then take Devers, I don't think that that's possibly O'Reilly. I mean, you could move Whit to shortstop, but you're took another one out of that pool. So I think you have to have a plan for later if things just kind of get ridiculous, which like I said, half the teams are probably if the 15 team leagues are going to have to deal with it. So um, have a plan because, and I just don't think like just pushing up God, Justin Turner, like it's ugly. And I don't know how I'm going to, how I'll deal with it. I might group like five of them and get the last one or something like that. It's, it's one of those situations where right now it's just nothing that's um, looking good. I may take a chance with like Jordan Walker. He's going to get maybe take a chance. He's going to get called up early, just go with someone later and then him also, and just hope for the best. But I don't know how it's going to be interesting. Like I said, it's going to be some have and have nots with it and how much they end up. People push them up to have one of the halves there. Yeah, no, great. I mean, Jimer Candelario is getting some love because of some of the underlying metrics. So, I mean, if, 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 but those sort of players by the end, you know, what, what's the, what's the expression? They're, they're, they're such sleepers. They're no longer sleepers or something, something like that. But um, the other thing I'm noticing and it is, you know, it, it's not a secret. I, I prefer not to spend early assets on starting pitching. But what I'm finding this year, looking at my rankings, now when I look at the ADP, I don't, you know, it's an NFBC ADP. It's very particular. I don't care about where Corbin Burns is drafted. I care about his rank amongst Cole, and you know, I care relative, not absolute. So I don't, I don't worry about the, uh, you know, you know, twentieth versus thirtieth or fortieth. It's kind of the order. And I, my order for the top ten or twelve is is different than the market right now, and that tells me maybe I need to loosen the reins. And if I feel I'm getting some return on my investment by drafting a pitcher early, I may have to do it. You know, if I if the, if I if I continue to see a difference in opinion on you know, I mean, Dylan Cease is the obvious one, but that that's that's you know, there's there's others as well that I've got I have people ranked higher. Than, than the current market. I think, I think like there's a Burns and Colum at the top with, not yep. going to be a surprise. <laughs> After then, I think you could rank the next. I'm kind of counting here. Almost fifteen. I'm trying to see. Maybe not that many. I could rank his third. Alcantara, people have that way. He's going there. Nola, I could see it. Cease, I could see it. DeGrom could be number one. If someone wanted to take DeGrom number one, they think he's going to be the best. That's perfectly fine. McClanahan, same way. Woodruff was going there. Verlander, he was like number one. Scherzer has been number one. Um, Strider has been number, or he was really Rodon. I don't know if he's going to be that high. I might put him a little bit below with the injuries and not great, but same. Um, Wheeler. If someone wants to take him toward the top, Julio Urias, like almost all these guys are the same. So I think people are just kind of moving them down. Like I'll just get the last one or the last two or the last three of those guys. If there's someone you like more, everyone might be on their own kind of little page, but they're just, I actually think there's some I like more and less. Also, I think there's some injury risk with like, or ages stuff going on. Scherzer or Verlander. 
Um, but no, I think it's kind of like an even group. There's no one that's really like a workhorse besides those top two that don't have any warts. Like a, or a wart or two. Like they're not like amazing, but is Strider going to be able to do it for a full year? Verlander going to do it again? Type of, That type of stuff. But I think I think that's kind of what's more happening is people are just willing to wait. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, again, that's why I'm more cons- not, it's more about the the uh, the relative ranking than absolute. But you know, to to that to that end, and I've confirmed this with a few other people that do valuation and some people that took Steamer and put it through a calculator. And I'm I'm hoping someone does it with uh with Derek's the bat that that's out now. Is and I get what the value, what the auction calculator on Fangraph says, or anybody's. Their guides, blah blah blah. But the point making is, the the top priced pitchers are not coming out as high as they have in previous seasons, and I think it has to do with just fewer innings, and wins are also condensed because of the way things are now. So that just that there's not that differentiation. But to to to, to bring it to your point about number the, the third spot. We we both play auctions. Is is two dollars like significant in an auction setting? Usually not. Yeah. All right. So I've got twelve pitchers between twenty and twenty-two, and those, and they're they're my four through fifteenth or whatever it might be. So that speaks to your point. If you want to go nerdy and actually use projected earnings, it, it it's that it's that it's that close. I mean, I've got I have Verlander third. Would I draft him third? Probably not. But you know, and I've got Max Freed fifteenth, and their difference of three dollars, and that's nothing. I mean, it's it's kind of like literally nothing. So it may, you know, I it, it, but it, there, I do have Nola and Wheeler fourth and fifth, and they're they're going lower. So if, if I I may have to take a Nola and a Wheeler, not maybe not both, but I may have to break my well, not break my rule. You know, if I have to take a pitcher in the third round, I, and they're there, I have to loosen the reins and do it this year. I think, I mean, if that's what the market's given me. Yeah. And the one thing I've done with my drafts is I found out just, I didn't the valuation is that the floor has come up this year compared to recently. Like mm-hmm. we have a lot better pitchers than we had there for a while. There's kind of some new ones that moved in and kind of solidified themselves and kind of the, I mean, like the Brady singer, type of level where it's not great, but it's not killing you all the time. Right. So I think that there's just a lot better pitchers here for a while. Um, I do think there for a while we had some issues correctly valuing closers also with it. Like they're kind of, it's a new change. And I think some people are having a tough time adapting to it. It's like, why are they getting pushed up? It's like, well, cause no one can't throw 30. You know, there's only like five. last year was worse. Because there was only like seven guys that we knew had jobs there for a mm-hmm. while with like all during draft and hold season. It's like, okay, right. then things kind of figured it out. But it was like, we have no clue what's going to happen coming out of the the holdout or the lockout. So right. um, it's just kind of it's a lot of changes that have kind of been happening. And um, I don't think the closer bit's not going to change. You're going to have like 130 guy and hope for a 15 and a 10 is what I think everyone's kind of will be that way unless you really pay up. Right. And in the past, I get where, all right, focusing a little NFB centric, but you needed 85 to 95 saves, 
somewhere in that ballpark to finish top three or four. Now 65 to 70 does it. You don't need to double tap and get 80 projected saves in the first four rounds. You only need, you know, you, you've got 15 too many on paper. Who knows what actually manifests? Um, and you know, you're talking about with, with the pitching, the there are more middle relievers that could happen upon a save here and there that I'm more I'm freely putting them into my lineup more than I did previously. I know that one of the things you do each week or did uh last season anyway was point out the best available starter to pick up to stream. And it normally wasn't somebody any somebody very good. So we're all talking about I'm just gonna dump, you know, uh churn and burn. I'm gonna pitch and ditch. And you're probably saying, Who are you gonna pick up? They're terrible. It's easy to say, but who are you going to pick up? They're terrible. I think I'm more amenable to like May. I think May. I was just like, I went and did it, and I was like, there's no one. Yeah. (laughs) You have your staffs. Unless someone, you know, rookie gets called up, you're stuck with them. And it was pretty much that way. I mean, they're just, you couldn't churn anything. And the one thing you have to start churning, and it's no one does it great is looking at the middle relievers that hadn't thrown like, like you would almost have to do it like Sunday around five, like see who's thrown that day or who's going to, that's like, they haven't thrown for two days. So you might be able to get them for like three starts or three appearances the next week. And like they're been pitching in high leverage situations. They might get the winner, the save and get you the strikeouts. But I think it's not like, Oh, I'm just going to get like this really good closer. Well, Duran was last year, but he kind of got some saves too, but it's like, I'm just going to hold him like, well, you probably can't hold him every week. Like you're going to have to kind of churn middle relievers, which I don't think a lot of people want to do. <laughs> no, is, Yeah. Exa- I prefer to have them available and, and, and more comfortable putting them in, you know, I, no one's going to, you know, Jason, Adam, whoever, um, one of the Seattle guys that, that you don't, you could, could easily get three saves in a week or can get, won't get three, won't get a save for three months, but the ratios are so good. I'll put them in there instead. The, what you're talking about with um, with the relievers, I love using – I don't play daily league. I didn't last year. I don't know if I will this year, but I write about them. And that was part of my main advice was um, so-and-so has a doubleheader on Tuesday. So on Sunday night or Monday night, think about grabbing these relievers instead of a starting pitcher because they could happen, you know, in a doubleheader, you get twice the chances for putting them in your lineup once, depending upon what site you're talking about, but you, you know, you could double the chance. So I think that's a uh, looking ahead could be more advantageous or easy to pull off in a daily league. And I don't know that we have a whole lot of daily listeners listening again on January 12th, but as we, you know, we remind people a couple times a year and they go, huh, more people play daily, uh, not DFS, but daily fantasy, than what we call traditional rotisserie. And, you know, I think people forget yeah, that. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I used to too. It was just one of those deals where like, I like taking a break. Literally, yeah. probably oh, Tuesday, yeah. I don't even, I don't even look at anything. It's one of those like, yeah. it's like my weekend, it's kind of like football, but like worse. It's not worse because football has to cover it. Like you have to watch the games. It's the only time it happens. But it's like once lineups are set on Monday, I set them for the night. Like I'm I'm out for like 36 hours. Like I probably don't even look at anything baseball related <laughs> during that no, time. It makes sense. 
it's just like that's my weekend because it's like I'm working on other stuff and um yep yep it's like if you want to write a fab report like I do it's like on the weekend it's like well there goes some of your weekend is getting it and then setting lineups and that's where I was like I was sitting doing too many leagues and it was just taking up too much of my weekend so that's why I even had to cut back on that Arizona fall league it was like I just had to figure out where I was where I had to cut down. You're smart enough to have to have done it. Unfortunately, you know, someone like I, I can, I can, I, you know, to our friend Brian Walton every year, I can handle it. It's not affecting my gameplay. It's not affecting my mood. I can handle it. I should mention I do play two Otno leagues, which are daily. Although I, I kind of last year didn't play two Otno leagues, which are daily. If you know, which I, I'm embarrassed about, and will rectify that situation this year. But um, that's not the same thing as far as being able to. Pitch up, pick up, and you know, with the, with the auctions for the players in season, you can't, you know, you can look ahead, but it's not as easy to pick a guy up like this is in Yahoo or ESPN, uh, etc. But uh, I'm still deciding what I'm going to do with closers. I still, I just can't invest in a top guy just because I don't need 60 saves. I'm still stubborn that I'm going to find my 30 save guy somewhere and then find another 30. I just, I, I I'm willing to loosen the reins on starters. I just think it, I just think it's an inefficient use of assets to pay for a top closer. I think the one thing there's some closers, if I look into it, that are kind of major helps with like WHIP and ERA. Mm-hmm. Some of them aren't. So well, they, like I mean, Soto last two, year, two, two points worth. Two points. I mean, the 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 good closers add two points in ERA and, and, and WHIP. Yeah. So I mean, but it's like, oh, we get Soto. Like they're just saves or one cat. Like no, they're they're not. You know, or they one can category cost you guys. Two points. Right. Exactly. It's like, so I tried to I try to stay away from those guys that are like hurting you, and try to look at the guys that are helping you. Actually, look at what they should be giving you. The ones I always try to stay away from those like those whip killers. Like Chapman kind of always seemed to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And um, it's like. Even if even if they weren't helping me like as much with strikeouts, like I don't want them. Even if their ERA gets bloated, I don't want their WHIP to be bloated. Also, like that because someone's going to, you're going to have some guys that are just some of your pitchers are going to go and have a bad ERA. Like that just yeah. happens every year, and that's you're just going to have to roll with them because like Cole's got, you're not going to bench Cole because he's got a high ERA. Like you need the strikeouts, you need everything else. Like you just no suck sure, it up right, and. Right, yeah. Exactly. You, you kind of let ERA, you, you don't, ERA is going to be, ERA, stuff's just going to happen. You don't want to introduce the possibility of yourself hurting your whip, right? You want, yeah. I mean, you want the whip to be stable and you'll just, you roll the dice with ERA. I'm with you, you know, I'm absolutely with you as far as that goes. Um, but um, uh, I just, even, even so, I just can't, I don't know, I don't have the track record to say what to do or what not to do, honestly. I'm not being, you know, self-deprecating. I don't. I don't have the track record to say uh, this is what should be done. And because I haven't done very well, maybe I should be changing things. I don't know. But um, so I, I think the people we're talking to make their own decisions anyway and just look for a bit of, 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 of you know, something to think about as opposed to what to do. And hopefully they get that. Uh, but uh, but I guess I guess I guess we shall see. Um, you're going to be doing any. Uh, Labor and tout wars will be you're going to be participating in those in a couple months. Yeah, I actually the trip to tout wars will be interesting. I'm taking both of my kids the week before they have spring break, so they'll be with me in York City. I kind of need a babysitter during tout wars, so they're just going to be in the corner like mocking us all or something like that for 
way too long. Um, but um, no, I'll be for that one. And labor, I think the dates are still kind of getting settled, and I'm pretty sure. Well, the dates are the, the dates are settled. Uh, actually, everything is pretty. I mean, it's the first. Well, week it's in like March. the times when I'm going to draft. I don't know for sure if I'm going to stay oh, for the whole first pitch yeah, that, and yeah, like, right. yeah, like I first pitch dates were like I think first to the third. Everyone, it, yeah, be great to go. I just don't know if I'm going to be there like the whole time. I've got to kind of figure that out. Is um, I don't know when I'm drafting over for, between the first and the third. But I don't oh, think yeah, those are. But yeah, those are, uh, I think we're both, along with everybody else, very happy to be doing these events live again. Yes. Um, remote is better than nothing. But the, the the gap between nothing and remote and the remote to live is huge. It's like remote. It's like remote. Especially. Yeah, live to remote. Especially with auctions. Base drop off. Yeah, exactly. Especially with auctions. It was, um, I'm not, not for sure if I'm going to do an auction or um, Tanner Bell and I are going to sell, share some teams, but mm -hmm. he may not be able to make the live ones. And we're like, we're not going to do an, an auction online with the NFPC. Like we did one last year and it's like live and it's just, there's so much going on. You don't double click. You don't raise accidentally. You know what I'm saying? It's, I've done that before. It's like, I want to do $1 and all of a sudden I'm at four. Like, wait, what happened? And then you kind of get gun side and you don't get anyone. And, um, and they've so got the no. best system out there. It just it happens anywhere. I mean, it's just there's nothing. There's no way to prevent it. Oh, I know. I agree. Like it's yeah. just so it's like oh, you have to like click into and hit enter, and then by then it's already you know up, and then you're like trying to figure out jumping, you know, getting it up again, yeah, and no. it's um no, I was always yeah. There's some ways to kind of around it, but it's just really rough. So I like I said, I if there's ever an auction, I think I'm going to try to do it live, unless like I said, we've had to with. Top Wars and Labor um, the last year. Yeah. Labor we did live last year, right? No, was it I don't, no, no, it was, I don't know. Oh, we that was the deal. Well, Labor Week was the last one we did live because it was before the shutdown. Right, and actually, right. yes, exactly. We did it Labor Live, like, but we didn't do Tout Live, and actually there were cases of COVID reported in Tampa while we were there, but we all just, we just got, a, I guess we got a bit lucky, if you will. I don't think I was lucky. I came back sick as hell. Ah, okay. Never mind. I, I, didn't, I didn't get, like, myself tested after that. I actually had gotten the shot, you know, before I, that was even a possibility. But I was just like, I came back and I was out for a while. And I'm like, great. <laughs> like, I didn't even, I didn't know for sure. But I was like, um, after the fact, but I am. Um, well, knock on wood, I've managed to avoid. I, I mentioned this to my uh my sister the other day and uh, you know i said i can't believe i haven't gotten it yet she's like well you never leave the house you never leave your apartment i'm like don't bring logic and, and common <laughs> sense into my argument here if there's no place for that but anyway uh, <laughs> any uh well actually we, uh, we 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 did talk about the process uh let the folks know where they can get it uh good you can you can announce that the hard Hard copies now available, not just the online version. And then, real quickly, you're you're back to doing uh, mining the news, which must be nice since there's news to mine. Why don't we uh, getting close to now? We here let uh, you know show the process, show the uh, show the process, and let people know where they can find you online. Yeah, the process. It's the website that's set up is the fantasy baseball process. On there, there'll be a link um, through Amazon. You can go get the paperback copy. Um, the one thing we found is like the first year we had to wait like a month to get it put up. 
I think there's something with like your previous sales. If you've had some, they put it up. Like, like, like most books only sell like 10 copies. So like they probably laughed at us the first time. And I was like, Oh, we might actually make money from these guys. So let's get it up. <laughs> so it only took us like a week. Like nice. the first time it was like, it just off in this void and we had no idea. Like once it goes off, I think it's the same way with the forecaster. Um, we prefer you to buy the digital one. It's a little bit more money in our pocket, but either way, um, the other thing we do offer if someone has bought the book is just the appendix. It has all the standings from the last year. And we actually, so the, all the league standings, you know, the standing games points and also the rules changes. We all combined that in into it. So if you don't need it all, there is that, but um, I'll be available um, online at, I mean, on Twitter at Jeff W Zimmerman. And um, yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm kind of, like I said, getting ready to get drafting full time. It's kind of about another, hmm. I guess March 1st is kind of when everything will start up. That's kind of the, that labor weekend. And it's kind of usually the same time as TGFBI. So that's usually kind of the start for everyone here. And TGFBI with all its faults or whatever, I mean, that's it, but it's just kind of like, it's a bunch of drafts at the same time at that to get everything started and get everyone talking. And I think it's perfect um, to do it. It's kind of like the labor draft is like the first one that's kind of all out for everyone to see everyone to dissect and break apart. But TGFBI is kind of that big jump off spot where you've got, I don't know, 30 some leagues all going at the same time and looking at valuations across the board. I, uh, I happen to, I happen to like the TG, the TGFBI for obvious reasons, but uh, I, I, you know, yes, it has flaws, but Hey, you know what? Everything people say about TGFBI, we got quitters. We have this, we have that. Hey, listen, friends, the NFBC has the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so any, any, I know what it's in. Not- I know I didn't even get my green jacket. I tried to join you and Clay and Tanner this year. Just missed it by one win there at the end. So. I mean, I, you know, on a, on a personal note, I Michael Richards, who won, was a former creative sports uh, alumni. So I was rooting for him. But I can't, you know, that means I'm not rooting for Jeff. Who, you know, without you know, while you know, you know, while Ollie's gone through blah 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 and whatever, I just I you know I, I it was just kind of <laughs> I'm torn. Is there any way these guys can tie? And um, so you'll have another chance. And good, you know, good for Michael. And uh, you're not going away. The worst worst thing about him is I gave up on the overall about three weeks because I was second in the overall and second in the side pot, and I kind of wanted my money. Ooh. Catch Mike. So yeah. I like started making more of a move toward that one. <laughs> and I, I've talked to Mike since then. And it wasn't so much me moving up as he had some ratio issues and he was falling hard, like with ERA whip. And he said his batting average too lost some crazy amount of points. And I was just like, how am I doing this? I'm not really doing that much better. Whoa, I, remember... whoa, 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 whoa. I don't mean to drop, but you're able to lose ratio points that late in the year. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, so he was, um, but it was just one of those deals. I remember, like, I can't remember if I had to go from wins to saves or something with the side pot. I was like, I, I want some money. Like, I was looking at that. Like, if I want to end up second, I'm not going to end up second in both of these things. Like, let's yeah. go for. <laughs> let me at least try to get some money here out of the deal. And um, so, I well, kind of wish I maybe would have tried for the overall, like some of the points and looked at the stuff there. But it is what it is. Having won the overall, uh, you you probably got more in the side pot than I did for the overall. So. Because that, that equals zero. I mean, I got a pats in the back, and it was nice. It was great. Um, but, yeah, the uh, I wish they had a side pot that year. But, alas, they didn't. So, uh, we'll see. But it's just like me to have my, my uh, you know, my home run be in a free league. But that's uh, the story of my life. 
but uh, anyway, so uh, appreciate you taking some time, Jeff. I know you had some uh, meetings this afternoon and we're getting into the season. I'm sure we'll be hearing you on the radio with us and, and more podcast uh, hits. And are you, do, are you doing podcasts this year for, uh, for rotographs or is that, uh, like, it's hard to keep, hard to keep track. I, I, I'm not officially set for anyone's unless someone asks me, um, here, well, there we go. The next, well, here in the next day or so, I know, um, There'll be one out with the pull hitter. Um, Rob Pietro is taking me and Tanner on and grilling go. us. And I, I don't, there's supposedly some of the other people joining it. Um, we'll see what all happens, but I know that the three of us will be there for sure, but there may be others joining in at various times. So it's like, well, oh, great. Cool. We'll see what, see what's going to go on. So we get, you, you learn, you get, yeah, you shake the rest off with us and you go crank and crank the other ones. Not that you did, not that there was must, not much, not much rust here. Okay. I can't say any words anymore. So let's sign off before there's another siren. Uh, thanks again, Jeff. Thank you everybody for listening. James, actually, yeah, James will be back, back next week and the whole crew will be back sooner than you think. I'll be back with Clay Link on Fridays. Thanks everybody. We'll uh, uh, see you on the leaderboards. <laughs>